0: All right, we are picking up with uh, Colossians chapter 2, and my goal is to take us through the last several verses of this chapter, and um, believe it or not, we're going to spend most of our time on three verses, and uh, I think we'll, hopefully we won't kill them, but we'll get close to uh, giving us some insight into what's going on. We're talking about We've been talking about the, the issues that uh, the church in Colossae is facing and the the, the her- heresy that is there that seems to be centered around two major points. One, uh, salvation. What does it mean and what does it take to be saved? And then number two, what does it take to become mature in Christ? And so we've, with, we've been dealing with. Uh, the salvation part and it's going to bleed over into the the uh, sanctification part Uh, but we're going to deal with that even on a stronger basis come uh, chapter three but we're going to pick it up in chapter two uh, verses uh, uh, 20 through the um, well I'll read maybe just a couple of verses of chapter three as well So in Colossians 2, uh, starting in verse 20, it says, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, in other words, the the issues that, that we deal with in this world, why is it as though you still belonged to it? Do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom, but their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment uh, of the body, that they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgences. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things things above, and not on earthly things, for you... For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. All right. Let's dig in. So what we have here is we have a, a, some, some teachers that have been coming to, to Colossae who have been teaching incorrect doctrine, which was, we would call heresy. Uh, and the theology, when it intermingles with life, creates uh, a problem with life—not only theological heresy, but but just wrong wrong living as well. So we're going to be looking uh, uh, and trying to wrap this up in chapter two. So we've we've had it, and t- you know, we've told uh, in this particular passage, uh, we have the exhortation from Paul, to, for Christians to to live. Uh, Uh, out of uh, a systematic understanding of their Christian faith and Christian experience. And one of the passages is uh, in uh, Colossians 2, one of the ways that it's translated, let no one enslave you. Uh, Paul has been condemning legalism and mysticism, and he's also been attacking asceticism. Now, the interesting thing about legalism and asceticism is that there's a definite relationship between the two. And the ascetic often subjects himself to rules and regulations uh, because it, it makes them feel as though they're becoming spiritual. And uh, it's interesting that they have had these, these teachers have taught uh, a certain set of, of rules, kind of like what happens in uh, more legalistic churches where, you know, you you don't, you know, you don't chew, you don't, you don't cuss, you don't chew, and you don't go with girls that do. You don't go to dances, you don't go to movies, you don't play cards, you don't drink liquor. There's a whole list of, of things that you don't do. And these are, a lot of these things are man-made rules. And that's what Paul is talking about. He says you, 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 he's telling you, don't, don't touch, don't taste, don't handle. Uh, it, it reminds me of, uh, of um, oh, uh, Jack Hayford, who was a pastor of the Church on the Way. He used to say, there's three things you didn't do. You don't touch the gold. You don't touch the the girls. You don't touch the glory, which is uh, really important. And it's a great way of remembering what it is as leaders were to, to do. But it becomes a matter of understanding that, that there are times when we say those things and we are way outside of the bounds of what, now in that particular instance, I don't think anything that Jack said was wrong, but I think that, that we have a tendency sometimes to live our lives and we think that we're we're okay because we've got a box we can check off okay i don't do this and wouldn't it be great if as christians we became known for people that do versus people that don't and and you know so often it seems like that's what we people know about christianity is there's a list of things you don't do versus a, a list of things that we do do and you know, remember that you say that correctly. Okay, just. <laughs> All right. A few of you caught it. Some of you didn't. All right. So um, the problem you've got here is that um, Christians let the practical issues of this world sometimes become the reference points for their spiritual development. Think about this. We sometimes allow the, the issues of the world to sidetrack us in our understanding and in our spiritual development. Now, if it happen, when it happens, it seems to happen in two possible ways. One way is this. Christians become uh, preoccupied with this world by indulging in all of its activities. You know, luxury, licentiousness, lust, all those things are great and wonderful until it causes you to fall. And what happens is it destroys your spiritual insight and destroys your spiritual growth. And I can speak from experience that those things, those things do tend to happen. You know, if you get your eyes off of God and onto stuff, you lose track of what's most important. Now, the second possibility is that Christians also easily become preoccupied with this world by measuring their Christian growth in terms of the world and its reference points in this way. They look to their separation from the world as evidence of their Christian maturity. They look okay. to their separation from this world as evidence of the Christian maturity. And may I suggest just as a, as a, a, a group that is way beyond the pale, perhaps, in this, think about, think about the Amish and the Mennonite. They practice their spiritual mm-hmm. maturity. They know that they're spiritually mature because they don't except modern technology at all. <clears throat> you see what happens if you go too far? You start to, to, you start to end up using worldly wisdom to measure your spirituality. Is that the way you measure your spirituality? You look to the world and say, okay, the, this is what the world does, and th- therefore, this is what I do? And there's silence. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I,
1: I think I it's think interesting. interesting. If you, if looking back at verse 20, you know, at the yeah. beginning, yeah, I had never, so when it uses the world in the, in the, in verse 20, and I think below, yeah, yeah. the Bible that I, you, you would probably understand more. I don't, it, it, the Greek word is cosmo. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's used it twice, cos, cosmo, mm-hmm. I don't know. So I I've never thought, it, now it's using. she's talking about, Religion. He's not talking about what I consider was like the world. The world is like the bars, in my mind, you know, like you know, the wild parties and the bars. And, but he's, he's going the other, other direction, you know, about asceticism and, and religion, not, not just partying.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's one or the other, and, and both are wrong. It's it's like when we talk about Gnosticism, not, and remember, this is a, a precursor to Gnosticism here in Colossae. And in Gnosticism, there's one of two things that happen. You either go crazy one way or crazy the other way. One way is a life of licentiousness. You can do anything you want because it doesn't matter. It's just the body, and it's only the spiritual things that are really important. So therefore, you can indulge all you want in anything that's out there when it comes to the body, to the flesh. The other side of that is to say, oh, no, the flesh is so bad that I can't do anything. And I have to, here's a list of things that I don't do. And so it's either licentiousness or legalism. I like that because there are two L's and I can remember those. <laughs> I tried to come up with something else, but that was the one that, those were the ones that made sense to me. So, uh, and you're right, Larry, that's, that's what the world is, he's talking about here is the fact is the second part of that. The first one is just indulge in the world. The second one is to is to look at the at the world and say, "Okay, I'm spiritual because I don't do all these things." And and uh, in the when this occurs in the church, it misdirects the the, the focus of the church, and it ca- it causes us to have a a powerless Christian life. You well, wonder why look God does that... I'm sorry.
2: Uh, that one scripture about the uh, gentleman that's. Uh... Thank you for not making me sinners and bad people like the ones next to well,
0: me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the prayer in the in the in the temple, yeah, or in the synagogue, you get up and says, "Lord, thank you yes, for not making me right. a publican, you know, a tax collector. <laughs> you know, thank you for not making me that." Another thing they would say, which is, isn't recorded in scripture, but it is true, they would also say, "Lord, thank you for not making me a woman." Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, and and you look at that. If I check the box, okay, church membership check, yeah, tithe check, um, living, you know, not with the world check, yeah. you know, not reaching the world check.
0: And it, suddenly, <laughs> you you think you're spiritual because you've done all these things, right? Can you do all those things and not be spiritual?
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. And and it's that's the, the struggle is when we get caught up in this idea of, you know, well, I have this list and this proves that I'm spiritual. What proves that I'm spiritual is does the, the what breaks your heart? Does it, is it the same thing that breaks God's heart? Do you have the same mind that God has, that Christ has? When you view the world, when you view people, what lens do you use? You know? And too often, I use the wrong set of lenses. Mm-hmm. I like uh, uh, what is it? Uh, is it Oakley or I don't know? There's some some shooting. There's some sporting glasses out there that I would love to have, but I can't afford the, all the lenses. But they they come with the frames, and you can change the the lens depending up what you're doing. And and you know, so like if you're shooting, you might put on amber lenses because it it helps sharpen your focus and you could you go to you know sunglasses if, and polarized and there's all different th- kinds of lenses you can put on and the problem so often is we're using the wrong lens to view the world and to view what's going on in the world instead of using the lens from the holy spirit we have we tend to use our lenses or the world's lenses and that's what that's what we're talking about here so uh you know, he talks about uh, don't submit to the rules. Literally, the word there in the Greek is is the word we get dogma from. And and asceticism uh, has to do with the rudiments of this world and not the riches of the kingdom. But it's the fundamentals of dogmatism that that tends to plague people that are involved in asceticism. It's not to suggest that Christians should be lawless. Should Should you be lawless? No. <laughs>
2: no okay
0: <laughs> sure why not right you know i remember uh, a student uh in a christian school one time said something like this he said uh it was unspiritual for him to obey the rules hmm. and i'm thinking yeah i'm pretty sure that christ tells us to obey those who have rule over us just you know out of maybe like first peter two and that uh, you know, and that you knew the rules before you arrived on campus. The only problem with Christian schools is when they don't tell you the rules before you get there. I can remember being at Bob Jones when I first walked in. I, I'd read the rule book. I knew what the rule book said. And then we had our first dorm meeting. And I found out, oh no, there's a whole list of other rules that are never published out for the public to see. And suddenly I'm going, wait a second. You know, it's one thing to tell me these are the rules before I come in, but it's a whole other thing to give me another set of rules once I get there. Yeah. Once I've signed my, the, on the dotted line and given you my money. And, and so, you know, rules are important, but rules can become, uh, rules can become shackles that, that don't allow us to grow. And, and so often that was what was happening here in in, in Colossae.
2: When when you get to,
0: yeah.
2: when you get to twenty three, then it, it sounds like he's taking a shot at, you know, Pharisees and and more than just the licentiousness, but
3: mm-hmm.
2: the you know regulations of the church and yeah. self imposed wisdom and humility that's false humility, which is. Those aren't the licentious kind nope. of rules. Those are the rules about you know all those the, are the rules. Pharisees yeah, those
0: keep. are the rules that make us feel good about ourselves. Look at all these rules I kept. I must be a good guy, you know. And it comes back to it's it, a lot of times it starts off as I've told you, Pharisee. Pharisee started off with a good idea. We're going to make sure we don't break the law. So we're going to set up some boundaries to kind of help us. But then the boundaries became laws as well. And so we set up another set of boundaries in order to make sure we don't break the man-made law. And then suddenly then we, you know, it just continues. And in this particular instance, we have people that had wrong ideas. And they came in and they were teaching the wrong thing. They were teaching you, you know, if you're gonna be a if you're gonna be truly a Christian, you need to get circumcised. You need to obey the the not only the religious laws of eating, but the religious laws of other things as well. What can you eat? What can you not eat? What can you touch? What can't you touch? Do you do you uh uh do you celebrate and honor certain days because it's important. Well, you know, in an agricultural society, yeah, that was part of what, you know, it was a combination of both spiritual and agricultural reasons for some of what they did uh but the problem is uh that you've got two different things you know it like it this reminds me of of uh corinthians the uh, the, the church in Corinth and, and I don't know I, I had this strange idea maybe maybe we'll go to Cor- uh, first corinthians after we get through Philemon uh I don't know we'll see uh see how God leads but um, in 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 the church in corinth there was, a, there was a whole group there that practiced all sorts of things, but they did it uh, and they were dividing themselves out. You know, I'm Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm a Christ. You know, I'm, you know, I'm the really spiritual guy because I, you know, I follow Christ. I don't follow men. And uh, they argue this true spirituality uh, would include not even touching a woman. Good for a man not to marry. it's good for a man to abstain from sexual you know uh sexual pleasure was that was that god's intent? No no, it was his intent to do it within the bounds of marriage
2: yeah, he would have never created woman
0: yeah, probably not. And just think of all of the, the, the problems that have been solved by having women and then think of all the problems that have been created because of having women. Oh, I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yeah, go ahead. It's, it's the original re- re- of all this yeah, The original recorded, of yeah. all
3: this mess
0: it, yeah, yeah, well, you know, man blame <laughs> the women original The original of this mess has to do with acts
3: acts 15 when there is the problem of circumcision Mm -hmm. you know and uh, they sent Paul Barnabas Silas and Paul discovered Timothy because somebody came out of (laughs) Jerusalem um, assuming that they were sent by the church from the mother church and they started with these new ideas how to keep them under bondage and everything should be changing when Paul says, therefore, if you die with Christ, well, you die with Christ. Why do you want to die again?
0: You know? Larry, were you going to say something? Larry, were you going to say something?
1: No? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of glancing at this whole thing. So even though he he talks about not not imposing religious rules, Later, he talks about the flesh and and, and a form of discipline. Uh, you know, it says uh, put to death therefore that which is earthly in you. Say, you know, he goes on and lists it, and then uh, and then later he talks about uh, putting on different things. So I'm just thinking the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So the the like God has an internet signal, but not everyone. Uh, has has the ability to receive to connect with with yeah. God yeah, yeah. so how how do good. how
0: do they how what what how do you get a strong internet connection well, with God well i'm
1: thinking that's salvation so yeah. when when you're born again you're able to receive the holy spirit mm-hmm. and stay
3: connected
1: to, to God the holy yeah. spirit you you can tangent in religious ways or worldly ways
0: yeah, yeah. And the
3: purpose of the spirit is to free us from the the trap of sin. That's what the that's what the law pointed to. They couldn't keep the law by physical means, right. you know, And that's why Christ came to kind of break that. That's the only thing that breaks it.
1: Yeah. Yep. No. No manner. Of, no manner of effort uh, from yep. the flesh can produce the,
0: fruit right. Of the spirit. Right yeah and that's 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 kind of what Paul is talking about here is the fact that you know if you try to do all these rules you're not going to necessarily have uh the fruit of the spirit in you uh, to the degree that you would if you just allowed the spirit to do its work you
3: yeah know? it's not going to it's not going to break that sin nature that heart has to be really kind of re the spirit has to really be kind of reformed it's just it's like a new baby you have to kind of that's what Romans is all about. You got the, you got the um, non-save man, you got the moral man, you got the religious man. Paul was in the religious man. He couldn't be free from that nature that he had. And Christ was showing him he could be free from it through him. And that's the struggle.
0: Yep, you're right.
3: And that's what really shows, you know, it's like uh, I remember in the temple, they, in the temple they had the, the priests had... Places they kept all their things on the inside of the, in the temple. And what they do is they kept a lot of idols and junk in there that wasn't supposed to be there.
0: <laughs> their whole yeah, closets. It's, it's, in some cases, they actually put uh, uh, altars out by the, the brazen altar at, at certain points, too. It was, it's crazy some of the things they did. But, you know, they still worship God. They just worshiped an expanded, uh, you know, uh, pantheon of gods.
3: Yeah, there's a, there's a part of us, a part of us that kind of longs to be uh, connected and legal into something, but the legal is a person and that's kind of, he, he's the only thing that's going to break that nature. Nothing yeah. else is going to break it. And it's easy to get caught in it. I'm caught in it too.
0: <laughs> well, you know, think think about the fact that even uh, uh, John's disciples, John John the Baptist, his disciples were upset over the fact that that uh, some of Jesus' uh, disciples were busy eating, you know, on the Sabbath. They were walking through a grain field and they grabbed some some grain and and ate, uh, you know, the raw grain. And uh, and Jesus had to explain that it isn't the food that goes into you that makes you. Uh, that creates the problem. It's what's from the heart that comes out that creates the problem. You know, it's in Mark, uh, Mark seven, I think it was. And um, you know, uh, Paul himself says, you know, I know that I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. And, and we, we also remember there's a, there's a passage that says all things are law are, 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 uh, all things are lawful. That was the, the libertine party in, in, in Corinth, yeah, all things are lawful. I can do whatever I want,
1: <laughs>
0: but that wasn't the, that really wasn't what the Lord was trying to teach. and It wasn't what Paul was teaching, but you know, we took it, they took it to an extreme. So you had once in, in Corinth, you had the same problem, just a little different, but similar problem to Corinth, you know, some that were libertines and they do anything they want. And others were going, Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm not a libertine. I'm, I'm um, I'm a, you know, I'm I'm a legalist, I'm an ascetic. I'm going to restrain myself. Now, is there is it a, is it appropriate to um, to not uh, to not overindulge? Is it okay to overeat?
3: No, oh. we should, it should be in all areas, but yeah, that doesn't it's gluttony.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one of the yeah. problems. You know, I think one of the biggest problems has been in, in, in especially in the Baptist world. It seems like is that uh, Baptists are. In, Pastors, some of them are just known for being overweight. <laughs> they really enjoy that, those, those uh, potlucks.
3: Yeah, like I say, the, the, the whole purpose of the feast were fellowship. And yep. the Baptists have taken it to that extreme. <laughs> That's basically what it is.
1: Oh, my gosh. So we'll go back to verse 216, Val. Therefore, yeah. let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food.
0: The little Baptist pastors, pastors are fine. Yep, they were they were uh, fine. They they they'd use that passage. Yep.
4: Yeah, you can you can identify uh, overindulgence as eating a lot and exercising a little. But if you exercise a lot, can you overindulge?
0: Yeah, I think you can overindulge in exercising. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
4: Well, I just I meant like if you want to eat like a whole lot of food, then you know get it out and yeah. move more. So, are you really classified as you know overindulging?
0: Well, well I remember, it depends on if you burn enough calories. Yeah, being well, yeah man, that's what I mean. 10, 000, yeah, you go some of the yeah.
3: lumber—some of the lumberjacks when they're Michigan—they used to eat ten thousand calories a day. Mm. Sure, sure. Not surprised. I mean, you know, you can imagine logging all day long—you'd burn a few.
0: I used to eat ten thousand <laughs> a day too.
4: i was and kind they, of thinking of the. Uh, the Irish Miller, uh, coal miners that would uh, drink Guinness for lunch with <laughs> a lot of calories.
0: <laughs> uh, there's Edwin looking for a way around it. <laughs> you work around on this somehow or other. We'll figure it out. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, you could say that it's got uh, it's got grain and it's got uh, mm. you know it's it's got all these you know, all the things that are good for you, right? Nutrients,
2: right? right. All nutrients, Pray over yeah. everything.
0: That's right. You are so. When it comes to asceticism and, and this, this type of legalism that we tend to run into, you know, it's easy for us to criticize our ancient monks. You know, uh, even the monks that are around today sometimes that, that practice forms of asceticism, or the Oriental mystics, or uh, the Hindu uh, yogis, or the Muslim uh, how's it pronounced fakars f a F a k a k i r. They're from the Sufi uh, portion of Muslims. The Sufi. The Sunni. Uh, no, the they're Sufis.
3: From, oh, Sufis. Well.
0: Wow. Yeah, Sufis were. Uh, they're the one you you've you've heard of the term whirling dervish. You heard that term?
3: No.
0: It's it's an ex- ecstatic English. dance, and oh. it's a twirling that happens, and it's a it's a giving up of. Uh, ba- there are there are. Sufis that are that are also rich but often they're considered themselves poor they want to be poor as far as as, as Allah is concerned hmm. uh, it's a uh, uh, they're much more um, they're, they're 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 just a different it, it's I wish I could I'm drawing a blank now trying to explain it but Sufis are not always considered you know they're considered kind of fringe in in a lot of muslim uh works but they're they're a form of understanding uh, uh islam from the point of uh, of uh, uh worshipping to the point of uh, delirium if you will it 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 probably comes well, I hate to use that that example uh, i'll just leave it there if you want to look them up you can check it out there okay. you know Su- sufi sufism uh, is a is a form of of uh, islam uh, it's not a huge form but it, it, most of the poetry that's, that comes from uh, islam is fr- is is based on Sufism <clears throat> So some of the, the, the poetry and some of the uh, the more, estet- you know, the more aesthetic stuff that they do is all based on that. But anyhow, the problem so often is we, we see the error of their ways. We fail to see the error that happens in our own churches. It's, you know, as an example, it's it's there's an automatic connection between physical discipline and health. But sometimes we seem to, to lack the idea of, spiritual discipline and holiness we forget that we're real big on being health conscious but not spiritually health conscious at times and I think that you know we we can deliberately abstain from from some food or drink uh, to keep from hurting weaker Christians that's you know all what Romans 14 is about that's one thing but we must not say that our abstinence makes us more spiritual than another brother who partakes of the food and gives thanks to God. You know, that's part of what I think what's going on. And again, I have mixed emotions about masks and I have mixed understandings about, uh, just how serious this, uh, situation is that we're faced with, with a virus. Amen brother. But what I do know <laughs> is that, I I can't judge another brother who decides that he's that the masks are all important, even though I think that my son-in-law is a little you know whatever. But okay, fine. I have to realize, you know what? He's following his conscience. And there's some things in Scripture that that just doesn't tell us what to do. No place in Scripture says you should wear a mask. No place in Scripture says you shouldn't wear a mask. So it's a matter of conscience. And if you're doing it before the Lord and you're doing it for all the right reasons, then God bless oh, you. It's, it's there. It
1: says no man that no man may buy or sell without the mask of the beast.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: oh man! One, one letter off. Oh
0: sorry. man, we're we're going down that <laughs> road. Huh? Okay. All right. Let's see.
4: That's funny. I have to wear it every day. At our work. Oh, yeah? And I get, uh, yeah, and I get questioned about it all the time. And, you know, it's 97, and I'm wearing a mask, and people are like, well, why are, I can't stand wearing a mask. And I'm like, I just look at them, bite my tongue, and go,
0: hmm, okay. Like no one no <laughs> one can see that you're biting your tongue if you've got your mask. Yeah, I know. On. <laughs> well, that's
4: the other thing. They can't look at me glaring at them through sunglasses either. Yeah. So it just becomes, oh, so, so, you yeah. know, one of those things.
0: So the nice thing about wearing a mask is no one can see you're sticking out your tongue at them. And I, you know, it's good.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get that all the time at work. It's just really funny that, you know, we talk about it as if it's something and, and we're supporting a whole bunch of things in politics that aren't necessary. And yet people are critical of things like, why are you wearing a mask? Like, well, why not? You know what I mean? Because it's a law now. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, (laughs) but, but I was doing it before that. So that didn't come into play and stuff. So I'm outside. But it's a (laughs) law. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so not sure that anyone's that anyone is going to uh, push Enforce the issue it. unless you push yeah. the issue.
4: <laughs> oh so. no, no, I know. I just
1: yeah. Does the legislature okay, airlines, support it? Yeah. Or is Who knows? Dictate of the it's... executive only. So okay.
0: Yeah, that that's that's maybe working its way through the courts. I don't know. Who knows? All right. Um, All right. So I think the issue here is that self control is important, but self control is not. How you become spiritually mature. Self control in eating, self control in, in physical exercise, uh, but you need to be spiritually controlled, which means you need to spend more time with the Lord. Uh, the power of, the, of Christ in our, the life of us as believers uh, does not merely restrain the desires of the flesh, it should put new desires in our lives. And when it doesn't, I have to wonder to myself, Has it because I have wandered away from the source of my nourishment spiritually? Because when I'm connected to the vine, for some strange reason, I enjoy being connected to the vine, and I want to stay connected to the vine. All right. Let's flee from here i want to get i, I want I, yeah, yeah, there's all this stuff i really would like to go through but i won't okay let's talk about this i want to talk about uh, how we can how to process this as believers today and remember there this is a a philosophical argument that the the ancient false teachers were doing in in corinth and i'm only going to try to find if, if, if I'm lucky, I'm going to get through five. And the first thing is that anything that judges uh, and disqualifies others according to arbitrary human measures is wrong. The danger of religion is that it judges and disqualifies others. Uh, Paul basically says in verse 18... Let no one impose upon you his arbitrary standards of Christian conduct. Do not feel yourself inferior because your own life is not governed by the way that he declares it's necessary. And I think that so often we, we allow other people to make that call for us versus going to the scripture and saying, what is it you want me to do? You know, God might reveal to you something different than he reveals to me as to how I should live my life and how you should live yours doesn't mean that my way is right and your way is wrong. It just means that it's right for me and that way is right for you as you have sought out God and tried to figure out what it is that God wants you to do. We call that, what is it? Oh, there's that word, starts with a G, ends with an E, has race with a G in front of it. Grace. Grace. That's it. Grace. Yeah. And, And so often we don't give people grace. If you don't do it my way, you must be wrong spiritually. Do You know how how strange that would be. It, especially, that's really, you know, there's so many forms of Christianity out there.
3: Right. Really.
0: And and everyone thinks that theirs is the only way. Yeah. And I'm going to be really surprised when some of you actually do get into heaven. I'm just <laughs> saying. <you're... laughs> so that's one of the things that we have to worry about. There's a there's another thing that we tend to, to worry about, and that is that. The danger of do-it-yourself religion, we're gonna make up our own religion, we're gonna make up our own set of rules and our way is the the only way that needs to be done. You know, having rules in the head is no substitute for obedience from the heart. It's a big difference. Additionally, I would say that abstinence may have uh, its appeal uh, because many confuse cause and effect in holiness that they see in others. You know, John the Baptist. You know, ran around with uh, camel skin. You know, camel hair uh, robe, and and uh, you know, he ate uh, bugs and and uh, and honey, and he was pretty much you know out there in the wilderness, kind of all by himself. And some people said, "Well, that's how you get holy. Is you do those things?" But it isn't. It, it isn't the de- the denying. It isn't the cause and effect. Remember, it's the the important thing is. Are we living a way that God wants us to live? Uh, it may drive one, uh, you know, if, if we set up a, a list of standards that are so abstract, we can drive people away from Christ. Uh, it's amazing how many people don't want to come to Christ because the list of all the do's and uh, list of, specifically the list don't. of don'ts that right. we have. I used to tell people, just worry about what Christ, you know, what are you going to do with Christ? will you accept him as your savior and then let the other stuff happen as as you grow in the lord some things you'll find you don't want to do anymore other things will be a struggle maybe you'll decide that there it's okay to do something or it's not okay but let let the holy spirit lead you don't don't listen to my rules let the let the bible and the holy spirit deal with you as it needs to be dealt with another tend tend to uh, tend to think, thing that tends to happen excuse me is in a do-it-yourself religion it puts self in the center and the consequently it dooms it's doomed to failure if you put yourself up as the arbitrator of what's right and wrong you're going to find out that you're going to screw up as much as you, you you're just going to fail all the time because you're going to set a set of spiritual rules unless you're unless you have a sliding scale i have one scale for myself and another scale for my neighbor right because you know my sin isn't nearly as as bad as your sin. My sin is only a little white sin. Your sin is a big black sin. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> well, you yeah, can I say? Yeah, I think the other thing is the danger uh, of religion in the in the uh, of the religion of the eyes. Today we really struggle with. With our eye gates, you know, we have the ability to go on the Internet and get anything and everything we want, good, bad, indifferent. It can take us away from our our time with the Lord because we get fascinated by whatever. And we start, you know, ever notice you start, you read an article at the end, there's all these other articles you can click on. Oh yeah you know, suddenly you're you're clicking and, then, and the next thing you know have you ever tried to go back and close all those rules with <laughs> to get back to where you were originally sure that so. happens all the time why because we we are we are caught up in a, a a a a society that loves the the lust of the eyes we gotta figure it out we gotta see it um, you know it isn't just uh television it's all of mass media um you know one of the things that tends to happen with advertisers is they emphasize the new and the latest versus what's true and eternal oh you got to have the best car you got to have a new car and it's got that great new car smell you know that's that's awesome and if i get this car i'm going to feel really good about myself and i do for a day or two maybe a month and then suddenly what's that Mm,
1: until the second (laughs) payment
0: yeah yeah right yeah (laughs)
1: There's a solution.
0: What's the you solution?
1: Yeah, you can buy the new
4: car smell.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
4: How much is it? Cheaper than a new car.
0: Yeah, they're very <laughs> definitely, yeah. But, you know, the, the problem is that sometimes we tend to think that truth, the old truth, is old-fashioned and obsolete. Do you think that it's old-fashioned to believe that Christ died for our sins? No. Oh, to it's okay to, to do it the old way and trust him versus some new way? That's the only way. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, when, but, when,
1: but, when, but when Paul was writing this, it was the new way.
0: Yeah, true. It probably was. Although, well, not really. Because remember, it's always been faith. Right. All the way back to Abraham. It's always been faith is the way to God. So and then the other thing is is that today in today's market we always harp on the necessity of material gratification. We want it and we want it now. I get upset when I go through the drive-through and I have to wait. Oh wow! Because I shouldn't have to wait. It's supposed to be fast food, right? We we traveled out to uh, to D.C to visit my daughter, son-in-law and my granddaughter over the weekend. And we stopped at a, um, a service uh, plaza on the, one of the toll roads. And uh, uh, we did a couple of them. One, one time we, we bought food, we bought it at a Hardee's which was there at the, at the, um, uh, at the plaza. And I, there wasn't a, they hadn't made a single thing. They made everything to order. Hmm. And we're standing around because you know everything's closed, and you you can only sit so you know six feet apart, tables were all, you know and and it took forever to get our food and I'm getting impatient because i'm going, why don't I have my food? Well, they made it fresh, it was hot when it came out, but it was you know i was I wanted it now. <laughs> Another strange thing about now is I found out, you know what? Do you know how great it is to have an easy pass on the toll roads? Oh, my goodness. It's so much better than paying. Oh, no, I have to pay up with a credit card. That's right. But suddenly, I didn't have to wait in line to pay for my toll. I was able to just zip through. You know? Oh,
2: Val? Yeah. Verse 12 talks about that. It says, clothe yourself with
0: patience. Yeah. Thank you for pointing out the fact that I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you
4: probably have it sometimes.
0: Yeah, just not very often. I tried it once and didn't like it. So, you know, I said
4: that. I find it fascinating when I think I don't have any patience and somebody comes along and goes, oh, you're a very patient person. And I'm like, wow, they're really not patient at all, are they?
0: <laughs> well you know that this whole idea of uh impatience and wanting everything right now is you know you think about these terms we go for the gusto you deserve it have it your way get yours while there's still some left was it yolo is that another one
4: yeah something like
0: that. yolo so, the, we we sacri- sacrifice becomes laughable sacrifice is not something we enjoy visual and superficial beauty are are what is not beautiful necessarily the visual and and superficial beauty is, shouldn't be but yet that's what attracts us doesn't it i see a good looking car uh, you know with nice lines and i go oh man i start to think that we see a, a nice looking person and we want to we look at, we find that they're attractive on the outside. Have you ever noticed that sometimes the people that are attractive on the outside are not attractive on the inside?
4: Most likely.
1: What's a YOLO?
0: What's YOLO?
1: You Is that what hear when you write? You only live once.
0: You only live once. Oh. Only live
1: once. Oh. Huh. You only live once. But, but it's a very long time, I hope.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I hope so, too. i don't i hope not to be methuselah but i would like i wouldn't mind living for a while the whole emphasis of media is on the eyes the eyes connect and they connect to the heart and that connects to the emotions and it's an appeal to the senses it's not an appeal to the soul
4: would you suggest that blind people are more faithful then
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's why that, that's why Jesus says if your eye offends you pluck it out. Right, yeah.
4: Right. No, Here's no.
0: a spoon, oh, oh
4: wow. Well, I'm getting older, so I'll just take off my glasses.
0: Okay. <laughs> Religion doesn't ask us to follow our hearts or be guided by our eyes. It enjoins us to look below the surface to believe what is true and not merely what is seen. And that's a problem that we run into with our culture, with even in our worship. So often our worship becomes a venue to enjoy a nice concert versus to worship collectively as individuals in, in a group and worship the God of, of all creation. Sometimes we find out that packaging fools us. right. There's also another danger. We're getting close to the end. I've got just a few minutes left here. There's a danger that fills in the gaps between ourselves and God with divine intermediaries. That's like worshiping angels is what I'm talking about. The early church had this problem. In fact, it it persisted, well, it probably persists in some ways today, but there was a, a, a Christian Uh, father in the 5th century, which would have been 600s, right? So we're talking the beginning of the Middle Ages. Um, Theodoret wrote in the first half of the 5th century, he was commenting on Colossians 18 and following. He says, this disease long remained, this disease of worshiping angels long uh, remained in in, uh, Phrygia and uh, Pisidia. Chapels were dedicated to the archangel Michael. He explained that this problem prompted the 4th century synod, a synod that uh, convened in Laodicea in Phrygia. And it wrote, it, when they wrote their, 35 canon, their 35th canon, which forbade the decree of offering uh, prayers to angels. And even to present times of oratories of the Holy Michael m- may be seen among them and their neighbors. The warning that was, that, this reminds me of the warning that John got. When he tried to worship an angel in Revelation, twice he did it. He falls down to worship the angel once in Revelation 19 and again in Revelation 22. So why is it that we like angels versus God? Why is it we look for an intermediary? Could it be that the the, the reason for that is the fact that angels, we don't think that angels judge us. They don't call us to live to a higher standard necessarily. We tend to think of them as helpers as people who will save us from ourselves you know we we talk about uh angels that are you know sitting on my shoulder we we think that they're more uh, they're more accessible to god and therefore maybe they're more attractive because they're not going to be the ones that are going to be judging us is it possible that the, 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 the what we see today in society you know there's a, a sh- I, I haven't watched it I don't know if I want to or not I keep thinking it oh, would be cute but I'm know I'm, I'm gonna be, it's gonna be wrong theologically there's a show on Netflix right now about a good angel and a, and a bad angel and they come together to help save the world because the world's gonna go to I don't know whatever <laughs> it, it it blows me away that we pander to you know what happens is often uh, our popular sentimentality, you know, we think of when we die, we become angels. No, we don't. Yeah. We become glorified saints. And we, we, we want to be rescued by beneficial angels. We, we want match. angels that are devoted to our personal happiness and well-being. We want them to be our servants. Biblical angels. Uh, if you contrast them, they, what we know is they're they're there to impart information about divine activities that perhaps we we didn't know. They're also uh, they're also involved in the destruction of wicked. Yeah. God and Gomorrah. We sent angels in to get Lot and his wife.
3: Yeah. The Assyrian army. One every third soldier was killed by yeah. An Hundred eighty five thousand men
0: yeah and they were
3: kent uh i forget
0: yeah this is this is you know we tend to think of angels as you know sweet little innocent you know cherub faces you know flying around with little tiny wings playing harps that's not the case you ever read about the some of the angels the description of the cherubim, description of the seraphims go to isaiah chapter six
3: yeah really go
0: to go to revelation and read about the angels there they're amazing, uh, amazing creatures. But I don't know that I'd necessarily want to meet. Any, uh, some of the ones that look like they're more human, that's okay, I suppose. Be a, I wouldn't mind. But boy, oh boy. This preoccupation, I think, with angels is a sign of serious spiritual confusion in, in our churches and in our society as in, in general. And I think what happens is the more that we consider God transcendent, the more we need celestial intermediaries because he's so far away. Yeah. And that's the, the paradox that we suffer with, is understanding that God is both transcendent and near at the same time. He's as close as a prayer and as far away as the furthest portion of the, of the cosmos. We need to realize that we have a God who loves us and is willing to do anything for us. And he comes near to us. We have the Holy Spirit who resides within us. That's close. You can't get much closer than that. So our job as Christians is to realize who it is that we worship, what it is that we worship, what are the rules we're to follow, and when we do those things, I think God is pleased. Rules that are, are there are important, but rules that are God made and not man made. <clears throat> Careful when you start to put your opinions on others. Allow God to do his work in their life, just like they're supposed to allow God to do his work in your life. I've always hated it. And this, this ha- I can remember it happened when I was shortly after I was married. I had a gentleman come up to me who I had no idea who he was. Had never met him. I'd been away in school, came back, got married, and this guy came up to me unknown to me and wanted to to wanted to mentor me. I have no idea why why? I don't know who you are. Why are you telling me what I should do? We have no relationship. So God has a relationship with us. He'll he'll direct you, he'll guide you, and he will guide you to people that you can trust, hopefully. And even if you trust them, check them out scripturally. Make sure they're telling you the truth and not telling you falsehood. I I once had a friend who did this. I thought it was I, I thought it was bad that he did it, bad form, but he did it. It got him in trouble with his church a little bit. He was a teacher of a college career class. And he went in one Sunday and he taught them heresy. Oh wow. And they never <clears throat> caught it. Wow. And then he went back the next week and told them everything he had told them last week was wrong and explained why, and then chastised them for the fact that they hadn't checked the scriptures to see if it was true. Now, I think it's a great idea. I think it's just poor to do that with 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 college kids.
2: But, fellas, <laughs> isn't that why uh, we were given the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to, to help guide us, and and I I don't know, I I don't think of the Holy Spirit as, you know, judging,
3: Mm -hmm. uh,
2: because he's helping to, he he may be judging in the sense that he's telling us and directing us and counseling us, uh, you know, not to do something or to do something, but.
0: uh, Helping to guide you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that means he's going to guide you away from something you're doing that's wrong. Right and maybe inc- encourage you in areas that you're doing the right thing. Yeah, it, it, the, the scripture calls uh, the Holy Spirit and Christ both paracletes, or as Jim is prone to say, parakeets. Um, all right, looks like we got guys ready to leave. So as I say, just follow, follow the scripture. Allow the Holy Spirit to do his job in you. You know, when you hear somebody if you hear something you're not sure of, sh- check the scripture. Find out what the truth is. And then worship God. Don't worship angels. Just saying.
3: That would be all angels,
0: correct? Yeah, don't don't yeah. worship any angels. Yeah. You might want to talk to some Catholic people. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, I, I think they're going to ignore portions of, of Colossians. Just saying. <laughs> they ripped it out. Brother. I have that. I don't know if they rip it out, but they certainly might ignore it. All right, so we got through two. Ho ho! All I have to do is finish up three. We're in the middle. We're middle of the, halfway through. We'll be done by- yeah, we should be done by December at this rate.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> hey, gentlemen.
0: You too. Take care. Take care, Dan. Dan. Bye bye. You,
1: you can speak. See you guys. Probably stop your recording, Ben.
0: Be- oh, it's a good idea. Thank <clears> you, sir. <throat>